Welcome to 2017. Isn't it nice when the first day of the year is also the first day of the week? It's an exciting way to begin the year. And we have a wonderful year in store. For a lot of weeks, in fact, many, many months now, we've already been in discussions as to what we want to emphasize in 2017. And the elders, along with Tyler and myself, thought about what we emphasized in 2016 and how we wanted to logically connect that with our thoughts for this coming year. And this morning, we're going to unveil our theme in just a second. I've already had about 20 people asking what it is. I'm going to make you wait about four or five more minutes, and I'm going to hope my PowerPoint gets pulled up eventually because a lot of this is up there. But we have a lot of things planned throughout the day and uh, kind of direct some traffic for a second. You know, typically, near the beginning of the year, this year, or last year now, uh, the first Sunday of the year, the elders presented the budget, and uh, they're going to do that today, but we're going to wait until tonight uh, to do that. Uh, tonight we will meet in here, as usual, at 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a devotional, and then the elders will present the budget along with some things from the recent uh, congregational meeting that we had back in August. Those two things are tied together, and they wanted uh, some time to uh, to have to share those things uh, with plenty of time, not feel like they're rushed by the uh, usual schedule of a Sunday morning service, and so that will be tonight. And I think all of us would do well to be here, uh, not just to see the budget, but to think about some things that were discussed uh, back at that meeting and so on and so forth. And I hope you will be here uh, for that tonight. In 2016, of course, our theme for the year was strengthening our roots. And you remember this logo was pretty much everywhere. It was all over the PowerPoint. It was in the newsletter. We had T-shirts made. We talked about strengthening our roots, knowing God through his word. And from that theme, we wanted to continue an emphasis on the word of God in this coming year. We wanted to move our emphasis, including the word of God, but specifically focusing on Jesus Christ. And so our theme for 2017 is one word, the word of Christ. And I want to thank Morgan Page. He did our logo again for us this year. did a great job. It's beautiful. And we're excited about the theme. We have a lot of things planned around the theme for our church family here at Ninth Avenue. As we think about one word, the word of Christ. This morning for our sermon, we're going to do three things. First, I'm going to explain a little bit about the theme, talk about where it came from, and some of the things we have planned around the theme. And then after that, for a few moments, Ty was going to come up. He's going to talk about some things that are planned for the youth group connected with the theme. And then using that scripture reading, we read together a few moments ago from John chapter 1. We're going to talk about Jesus as the Word of God and how it undergirds our thinking for this year. So where did this theme come from? It literally started all the way back in late 2015. We plan a little ahead around here. I was given some information about a project that was going to be coming out for 2017. And so the idea started well in advance. And the information concerning the book that you've heard mentioned and you may have seen in the Fellowship Hall a little while ago, uh, the book is called One Word, a beautiful black cover. That's what it looks like. And I love the idea. And the book simply talks about one biblical word for each week. And by the way, in 2017, there are 53 Sundays, so there are 53 biblical words. The words are things like sin, mercy, heaven, marriage, confess, justification, father, and on and on it goes for 53 words. And for each of those words then, there are five short devotionals. And when I say short, right there are two of them. Five for each of the words. Each of those can be read in about five minutes or so. 
And several weeks, in fact, a couple of months ago or so, as we began to develop this theme and think more about it and thought we wanted to use it as something for our theme, the elders made what I thought was a very wise and generous decision. And what we have in the fellowship hall for you is we have one copy of the book for every household at Ninth Avenue. Every family will be receiving a copy of the book to read, to have, to use throughout 2017. So that all of us are thinking about a word for that week, whether the word is God or whether the word is forgiveness or whether the word is grace or whether the word is mother or whether the word is father or whatever it is, each of us has the opportunity to think about, to study about that word together. And on Sunday nights throughout the year, when Tyler preaches or when I preach, we will be preaching that word leading into the week. We want to share with you some thoughts about the word. And then hopefully during the week, you go through the devotionals. You think about it. You study it together. We all study it together and think about it together. And so the idea is one word. We think about one word. But those are meant to be more topical in nature. Simply examine the word, think about where it is in Scripture, and so on and so forth. And knowing that then, Ty and I began working several weeks ago, in fact, probably about three months ago now, on emphasizing some textual studies on Sunday morning. And we considered John chapter 1, where Jesus is called the Word. And so with that as our motivation, we decided that on Sunday mornings, we are going to preach only words that were spoken by Jesus. Thus, in the logo, you see the Word of Christ is in red. We're going to be preaching those red letters, if you please, in the Bible, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, 2 Corinthians, and Revelation. And we're going to think about just the words of Jesus Christ on Sunday morning. And as you'll see in a moment, there's some men who have brochures. They can go ahead and be handing those out. I think some of you in the balcony already have them. Uh, but they can go ahead and be handing those out. As you see in a moment, when you get this little booklet, Ty and I have taken the time to plan out every sermon for 2017. You have before you, when you get the booklet, every title and every text will be preaching, Lord willing, this, this coming year. Now, it can change. We're giving ourselves an out. I could get sick, Tyler could get sick, a missionary might come to report. The elders may ask us to preach about a specific thing for a specific need. We all understand that. But we wanted you to see how dedicated we are to the theme by showing you every sermon we are planning on preaching throughout the year. But also in this booklet, you're going to see the events we have planned for 2017, the things we know about. And of course, that can change as well. Dates change, things we simply cannot foresee uh, can occur and can uh, cause us to have to change our schedule from time to time. But events like fellowship meals, uh, other congregations, gospel meetings, we hope to uh, attend our own gospel meeting, and on and on it goes throughout the year. You have all of that before you. One of the goals for Ninth Avenue the last couple of years has been better communication and better organization. This is just a sign of that. We want you to see how far in advance we are planning how much we are thinking about these things, not just with our theme, but the events we have for the year. We hope that encourages you. As you take one of these and look through it, you'll see why we chose the theme. You'll see the events, and you'll see the sermons we have planned. All of that connected with the idea of Jesus being the one word. And all of that connected with our theme, one word, the word of Christ. In just a moment, Ty is going to come up. He's going to talk about the youth group for a moment and while he's coming up here, go ahead and get your Bible and turn to John chapter 1. And when Ty was finished with his portion, I'll join you back in John chapter 1. And we'll study some things from that text together. Come on up, Ty.
Uh, one word that I have that's not on my topic sheet is uh, relieved. Um, this has nothing to do with anything we've talked about so far, but I've been looking for my Bible for a while now, and it's actually right here in the pulpit. So uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there, but that is a kind of a, a good thing. I found it. Um, quickly, I, two corrections. This was me not stating things the way they actually are. Um, just to kind of clarify, um, uh, Joe Wells hopefully will be able to speak. I'm still waiting on an email back. He's going to do it. Uh, he is checking his calendar. Uh, many of you may know or may not know, he just accepted the pulpit minister position at Florence Boulevard. And, uh, of course, uh, Joe has a, a connection here to Ninth Avenue, but our young people have heard Joe speak, and many of you have. Uh, he's wonderful. One of, one of my favorites, one of our kids' favorites to hear speak. But anyway, uh, he is in high demand, to say the least. And so, and I think he's doing a gospel meeting here, correct, in the future, possibly? Okay. Uh, so anyway, he, hopefully that's going to work out. He said he would if, if at all possible. But I didn't want anybody to text him and say, hey, we heard you're coming. And he said, well, not yet. But anyway, so we're hoping that will, that will happen. Also, in connection with our, our going forward as it relates to the youth, as Adam, or as uh, Brother Sean mentioned a few minutes ago, and as Adam mentioned, uh, we are still in discussions and, and ideas about VBS. Uh, if you have any suggestions as to schedule uh, the way that possibly works, maybe you've seen it in another congregation, something that you just really like, uh, if you would share those with the, myself, Adam, or one of the elders, um, there may be something that is that none of us have thought about an idea that would just be wonderful. We're um, any ideas at this point, as in the deciding stages, would be uh, greatly appreciated. So, if there's something that you have that's in the back of your mind and say, "Oh, I wish we'd do this," just let us know. Write it down. Tell us something like that, and uh, those will will certainly be discussed. As we think about this theme of, of one word, as Adam said, it's been in planning for a while and uh, there's been a lot of legwork in the beginning done. And, and when Adam first mentioned it to me, I was really excited about this idea. And I want to mention uh, just a few things that the youth will be doing, a few ways that this pertains to the youth, but also uh, how it pertains to families as well. This past week, as, as many of you know, we attended EYC in Huntsville. And during that session, during all youth sessions, uh, anytime there is a speaker, the end of that ends as, as we end here. And it ends with responses and people uh, an opportunity during an invitation to respond. Most of the time at those youth events, there can be 30 to 40 responses during some speakers. As those, what happens, just to kind of give you a background, each individual that responds, responds to their youth minister or youth leader, and then that youth minister will mention their name and, and a little bit about why they have responded, and then one prayer is led at the end by an elder. But as those names are being read and those issues or circumstances are being read, you're, you're quickly reminded that out of 40 people, you may hear some things that sound similar, but you also may hear 40 different reasons for responding. Eric and I were actually talking about this, and, and let me say this too. I, I appreciate Eric. He uh, took time off work and, and drove our bus, and uh, 
helped me out a tremendous amount at EYC, and uh, I, I appreciate all Eric does. Eric's a wonderful example for our kids and does just so much uh, for our youth. But he and I were talking, and, and we said, you know, each of those individual young people that responded, some of the things that they say, may wait, we may think, well, you know, would I have responded for that? But as you stop and think, and you think about yourself this morning, everybody has something in your life that's extremely important to you. It may not be important to other people, but it's important to you. And that's one of the most wonderful things to me about the church, about being a church family, is though it may not affect me, if it's important to you, it should be important to me. And as we think about these one words, as Adam mentioned, there are 53 different words in this book. I don't know our attendance this morning, but everybody sitting here has a different need or a different desire. That, to me, is one of the beauties of this project is it's kind of a under uh, message of diversity, a message of all of our needs coming together to create unity. Well, what you struggle with, others may not. What they struggle with, you may not. But we all have our own needs. And and if it's important to you, it should be important to all of us. In the aspect of if you hurt, we hurt. If you rejoice, we rejoice. When we think about staying focused, that's kind of what our youth will be spending time this year thinking about. Kind of to to boil it down to one word is that idea of focus. I, I was sitting in a class one time, and I'm sure most of you have seen this or experienced this. Uh, there was an individual, it was a, a college course, and uh, there was a paper due at the end of the year. And we were about a week away from finals, and, and this individual sitting in class, and the professor's giving some really good information. And this student is typing their final paper to try to get it done like we all do at that time of the year. But I, I stopped and I watched and I thought, they're missing the points, because they're trying to check off everything that they've got to do. They're missing all the information so they can complete the check marks. And how often in life do we do that? We have things that we have to get done, but yet we're so focused on getting the check marks completed that we don't really stop and think about what we're even doing. And so that's what our our youth is going to focus on this year, is making sure that we don't miss the big picture of life trying to do all the little check marks that we have each and every day, to stop, to pause, and to really focus every once in a while on why we're doing all these little check marks. They all add up to a bigger picture, but stop every once in a while and just see the big picture. Don't get so so caught up in checking off my assignments for my course that I forget that I'm actually here to gain information to grow. One of the ways in which we'll be doing this is I've been talking to our young people. And uh, as Adam mentioned, these books, One Per Family, and the devos that are in here. And and you may be thinking, uh, I don't know how to do a family devo. What do you do at a family devo? So what we're going to do to help us focus is you will be able soon, we'll have a sign-up sheet soon, but you will be able to, I'm going to use the word hire, uh, you don't pay them, but you will be able to sign up to recruit one or two of our young people to come into your home and lead a family devotional. So if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know how to do a family devotional, you can request that, that one or two of our young people come into your home with your family, 
and lead your family in a family devotional. And you've heard our young people speak. They are amazing. But it will also allow your family time to pause and see maybe how a family devotional could work. You can do it multiple times. Uh, but, of course, coordinating schedules. So there, there will be some more information, some more information on a sign-up board soon. But that's one of the ways in which we hope to really think about the big picture, but also allow our young people to develop, to grow. Uh, they do such a wonderful job, and I think that's a resource that we can all use in our homes uh, of allowing them to come in and lead our, our families in, in family devotionals. When we think about the idea... Or, or, or the concept of one word. And, and as Adam mentioned, on Sunday mornings, we will be preaching uh, the words of Christ uh, the entire year. I want to challenge you to do something. You're probably aware, but there is a group of people in this world, in our community, but in the world in general. And they are tired of man's opinion. They're tired of people telling them what the Bible should be meaning. They're tired of people telling them, this is what you should take away from that verse. And so one of the things that I am most excited about is, on Sunday mornings, we're going to let Jesus speak. Adam and I may be actually the ones uh, using our voice, but we're going to listen to what Jesus said. We may have comments from, from time to time. You, you have to in a lesson. But we're going to be listening to what Christ said. And we're going to take it exactly from what he said. And so I challenge you to share that message with people because I really think there are people out there that are hungry for just the words of Christ and just simply the Bible. And that's what I am so excited about on Sunday mornings. You have the list of sermons. You know ahead of time what's going to happen. Maybe there's a discussion that you've been having with someone and you see a sermon title and you know, I want to invite them on that Sunday. You can plan ahead and you can know what's going to be talked about. You can know the message they're going to hear when they arrive. And I think that is a wonderful way uh, to assist in outreach and evangelism. I'm so excited about that aspect. To close up my part and then to to turn things back over to Adam, I, I want you to think about one thing. Raise your hand if you were able to see on Facebook Live the atrium singing at EYC. I know it was shared, and and there were several people that have already told me they heard it. If you did not, it's on EYC's Facebook page, and it's worth your time to go watch. It was 1,800 young people and some adults gathered in a hotel singing for 30 minutes praises to God. On a Thursday night, when they could have been in a thousand different places. As we sat there on our balcony in our hotel, and we looked out at the vast sea of young people and adults, I already had this idea in my head, but I stopped for just a second and I just listened. And I thought, there are 1,800 young people, each with different voices each with different backgrounds, with different needs, with different things going on in their lives. They all have a different story to tell. But when they come together for one purpose, for those 30 minutes that they all came together to praise God through song, 
It was one of the most amazing, beautiful things that you have ever experienced in your life. And I think anybody who, who was able to view that would agree with that. It is one of the most amazing things. I see several nodding their heads. One of the most beautiful things you could ever hear. You see, each of us have our own story. The beauty is found when we can bring our stories together for a common purpose. Individually, we are one person. We are one people. Collectively, we are one church. We're incomplete without your story, without what you bring to the table. We need everyone's story to be complete. And so that's one thing that I want you to think about, that our youth will be thinking about during the year. And I'm so looking forward to this. I hope you will continue to pray for it. I hope we have a wonderful 2017. I think we would all agree that 2016 was great in so many ways. And 2017 is going to be even better. But we need your story because you're part of the bigger story, the story that ends with us all in heaven one day. Thank you. I hope you're in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, we are reminded that Jesus is the Word. And it's that concept that led us to where we are this year and what we're looking forward to sharing with you. And you may have noticed that this morning's lesson is the exception to our Sunday morning rule because the passage that Brother Kyle read a few moments ago from John chapter 1, there are no red letters. But we wanted to share this morning why we came to this theme and this idea for 2017. The gospel according to John starts at the beginning. Mark's account of the gospel begins with Jesus' ministry. It jumps right into his adulthood, if you please. Matthew and Luke both begin with the birth of Christ, leading up to it and then the birth of Christ. But John begins with words that sound very familiar, in the beginning. And of course, you think about Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God. But that's not how John 1 begins. John 1 begins, in the beginning was the Word. Who is this Word? Well, John gives us an explanation of him somewhat. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there's divinity to him. And then down in verse 14, he makes it clear this had to be Christ because that same Word, he says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God the Father did not become flesh and dwell among us. God the Holy Spirit did not become flesh and dwell dwell among us. But God the Son did. This is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. And I want to think just for a few moments, I know we're running a little long this morning, I hope you understand why, but I want to think with you for a few moments about three observations from John 1 and verse 14 about Jesus that should encourage each and every one of us. John says that Jesus is the Word, and that may seem like a very simplistic thing, but it's interesting when John chose the word, word, in that text, he chose a very specific one. You see, there were all kinds of words that he had for the word, word. How confusing is that sentence? But he actually chose the word logos, or sometimes you hear it pronounced logos. It's the word from which we get our term logic. What was John trying to say? Is there proof that God exists? Oh, absolutely. Is there proof the Bible is the inspired word of God? Absolutely. Works like Apologetics Press and other organizations help us to see that we really can defend the things we believe, that God really does exist, that Jesus really is His Son, the cross and the resurrection really happened, the Bible really is from God. 
But it's interesting that when God chose his ultimate revelation, he didn't send some document that has a thousand zillion proofs. He sent his son who you cannot argue with. He is the logic of God. You see, so many people want to say that what we believe is irrational. It's just a fairy tale. It's illogical. But John 1.14 tells us that Jesus is the logic of God. He is the rationality of God. And everything then that Jesus did points to the fact that God really is. That God really is true. That the plan of God really is logical. While it may not make sense to the world, it is perfectly logical when we see it as best we can from God's perspective. Now that doesn't at all diminish Scripture. Because Jesus himself said that Scripture points to him. And we know that from Genesis to Revelation, everything about the Bible points to the plan of God through Jesus Christ. But Jesus is the Word. He is the logic of God. He is the one that helps us to understand as much about God as we possibly can. But then John says something that we know so well that we sometimes can lose the perspective of it. The Word became flesh. We know that verse. We know that context. We know that concept. We teach our children about the birth of Christ. And here we are coming out of that season where the world thinks about that. We think about that. We know that God became flesh. But have you ever really thought about what that means? God came down. Divinity became humanity. And I know that it's 100% divinity and 100% humanity. But in what other religion do you have deity becoming like humanity? You see, in things like Greek mythology, you kind of have partial human and partial divine. That's not the case with Jesus Christ. You have one who was fully human and fully divine all at the same time. I can't explain that. I just know it's true. But it helps us to understand that God understands what we go through because Jesus understands How often do we draw comfort from the fact that Jesus understands? You see, when God became flesh, that implies a few things. There's a risk involved in that. Because when God became flesh, that means it became possible for Him to hurt. It became possible for Him even to die. But He he lived it all perfectly. Does it ever give you comfort? When you're sad you can know that Jesus understands what it's like to have a salty tear come down your face because He became flesh. When you're happy, you can know that because He became flesh, Jesus knows what it's like to have a smile on your face and to enjoy interaction with other people. When you are discouraged, when you're lonely, you can know that because He became flesh, Jesus knows the hurt in the pit of your stomach from being left alone. It means that when you feel emotional pain or physical pain, you can know that because Jesus became flesh, He understands the the pain and the hurt and the feelings that go along with that. And yes, even when you and I face death and we're frightened by the concept or the thought of it, we can know that Jesus, because He became flesh, understands that fear and that concern and that difficulty. We love Jesus for so many reasons. But I think right near the top of the list should be the very simply stated fact that He became flesh. He understands. The Word became flesh. And then thirdly in this verse, 
I get the concept of a tabernacle. And you may say, that's not what John says. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That may seem like a very simple statement. But when you study that phrase, he dwelt among us deeply, it provides a great deal for us to be encouraged by. Because again, John had the whole Greek language before him. And he could have used any number of terms for dwell or be or abide. But he chose a word that literally means tabernacle. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Do you remember way back in the Old Testament when God, excuse me, when Moses wanted to see the glory of God? And I'm paraphrasing, but God basically said, says you can't handle that. No one can see my glory and live. And we often say then that Moses was allowed to see the back of God, just a small sliver of the glory of God. And even then he had to hide in the cleft of the rock. But then you remember, it was after that, that God gave Moses the specific instructions for how to build a tabernacle, that tent that was to be among the people. And in the middle of that tent was this very special place, sometimes called the Holy of Holies, sometimes called the Most Holy Place. And in that place dwelt the glory of God. A priest could only go into that room, and even that just once a year. Later, it became the permanent structure, the temple. But still, there was that one room, the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was in the middle of the people. But in Ezekiel chapter 10, we are told in a tragic passage that the glory, the presence of God, departed from His people. And then Jesus came. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us again. The glory of God was right in the midst of the people. How beautiful of a thought is that? That the people broke the covenant. And so the glory of God departed way back in the Old Testament. But that God loved people enough that He didn't send a tent any longer. He didn't send some specific room that only one person could go in every so often. He sent His only Son to dwell among the people. And to be among them. We beheld His glory. John continues the verse. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and full of truth. You could get some sense of glory in the Old Testament. When you brought those sacrifices. But you get the full sense of the glory of God. When you look at Jesus. The Word became flesh. And the tabernacle was among the people again. He dwelt among people. Now. The question becomes, what does that mean for us? I mean, that's, that's John chapter 1. That's for people way back then. John trying to convince people that Jesus really was who he said, he's, said he was. These things are written that you may believe. He writes near the end of that book. But what does that mean for us? Two points of application. Then the lesson will be yours. First of all, it means for us that the Hebrews writer's conclusion helps us every time that we pray. It's said that because Jesus could sympathize with our weaknesses... The Hebrews writer says in chapter 4 and verse 16, Let us then with confidence, some translations have boldness, come or draw near to the throne of God, the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Every time you pray, and especially every time you pray out of a, a difficult heart, you can do that because the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That's the only reason we can do it. 
If Jesus did not come and tabernacle among the people, bring the glory of God among the people, we would not be able to approach the throne of God with that confidence, with that boldness that we can. But because he did, every time we pray, we're reminded of the importance of God becoming flesh. But also by way of application, we also need to understand that Jesus dwelt among people showing the glory of God, and so must we. The gospel calls us to shine as lights, literally as luminaries, in the midst of a dark world. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15. We're to let our light so shine that others may see our good works, but give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Jesus sat down. He laid down the perfect example of how to show the glory of God. He himself said, my meat, my sustenance is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish, complete his work. And that's what he asks us to do as well. Everything we do should be about the will of God, shining our light in a dark world, dwelling among people. Can we do it as perfectly as Christ did? Of course not. But our goal is simply to follow in His footsteps. We must dwell among people. That's part of being human. We dwell among people. The question becomes, when we are among people, are we shining the glory of God in the same way that Christ shined the glory of God when He dwelt among the people of His day and His time? That's what we're hoping to do this year. On Sunday mornings, we want to study the words of the one who is called the Word to help us understand our relationship with God and how to develop a relationship with others so that they see the glory of God through Christ. On Sunday evenings, we hope to examine one word from the Bible so we can carry that thought throughout the week, building our knowledge, building our unity, building our faith, because we're thinking about the same thing. We're concentrating on one thing, and we're together as we work through those things. But through it all, we have to remember we're doing those things before, as we sometimes say, a watching world. We need each other. And so knowing that we're studying the same things, thinking about the same things, having our minds focused will encourage each of us. But also knowing that every day we are among people who need to know the glory of God. We should be encouraged to be as much like Christ as we can be. In the beginning was the logic of God. And that logic became flesh, and he returned the glory of God to the people. The question for you and I is this. Have I responded to the fact that God loved me enough to send something logical, human, and perfectly divine to save my soul? And do I love others enough to tell them about it? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. This morning, have you responded to that one simple thought that God loved you enough to send His Son to this earth to provide you a way to go to heaven with Him? You do that by following what the Word said. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. That's what the Word, Christ, said. Those of us who are Christians who have done those things, 
The Word is the one who said, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. As a Christian, are you living faithfully for the Word and shining His light in a dark world? This morning, if you are not a Christian, or if you're not a faithful Christian, the one who came to this earth to show you the glory of God invites you to come while we stand and sing to encourage you.